Welcome to Iron Sharpens Iron. This is episode 16. The greatest thing you can have is self-respect. Do what you know is right and align to who you are. In this episode, we interview Coach Nick Platt, founder of Platform Performance Coaching. Without further ado, let's get to it. What's up, what's up, what's up? We're back in the building. We have Coach Nick Platt from Platform Performance Coaching. How are you doing, Nick? Doing good. Everything's good. How are y'all? I uh, can't complain. Good. You know, staying COVID-free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <Pretty sure. laughs> trying to trying to make it home for the holidays. My parents told me not to come, but I said, you know what? I'm coming home regardless. So put your mask on, and I'll see y'all. Home for him is Texas, though. It's like the the hotbed for it is. It is. I know. So, yeah, that's so, what I've read. That's what I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And you said y'all are y'all are traveling here soon. Yeah, we'll be leaving uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow afternoon, we'll be going to Kiowa. Okay. Yeah, my uh, my daughter should get out of school about three o'clock, and then we'll head down. Nice. nice. Uh, Charleston, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, that'd be nice. Spend some time at the beach. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's the first time we're going down there um, this time of year. We usually go in like May or September for like a beach trip, but it'll be nice. Uh, a nice change of pace okay. so we're just gonna um go down with uh my wife's family and, and just kick it yeah. sounds nice there we go there we go yeah so i was trying to remember i know we met a couple of years ago now i believe um but i couldn't remember exactly where you had a health and wellness event it was uptown okay okay so yeah, that's the name of it. yeah till. okay perfect so that's what i told brandon but i was like i think that's where i met him but i can't remember so uh, thanks for refreshing my memory. Yeah, and I think we were on. Uh, remember when Wes had that social media Instagram yes. course? Mm-hmm. I think we were both in that course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wes is I, Wes is a good connector like that. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's why I was like, I mean, he that dude has so much um, experience in the in the, I guess the IG and Facebook world, and so um, I thought it was good platform for me to learn even more from. yeah yeah and i heard you uh uh referencing uh low on the last episode mm-hmm. i don't really know her but i know she was one of the speakers in that um course that we were on so okay yeah got a lot of value from her yeah she's helped us out tremendously on season one and um uh, season two of this pod so um yeah we can't give her enough shout outs <laughs> yeah. but um obviously we, we want to we wanted to have you on because um, obviously you have this, this coaching platform, but I believe you have a different like twist to it. And so, I um, mean, it, it caught my eye because it was something that I, I personally felt like I was missing. Um, and before we even go into it, I just want, I want our listeners to, um, let's just, you know, tell us a little bit about your business currently, and then we'll, we'll take some steps back to see like, uh, why it is where it is today so currently you know i've been training i've been a personal trainer for the past decade um i got my degree in kinesiology from east carolina in 2009 and straight out of there i got an internship with uh, ortho carolina and started doing sports performance training there um bounced around i went to uh, velocity sports performance um architect sports performance another one so a lot of different sports performance companies at first, um, but then I kind of landed on my feet, um, just personal training, okay. and I uh, had several different personal training jobs, um, 
you know, working for bigger companies, working for lifestyle, family fitness, and then urban active fitness, which uh, they recently got bought by LA Fitness. Okay. Um, but when I was at Urban Active, um, another trainer of mine, he went out on his own um, to start his own uh, personal training business and he invited me to come out um, and train with him. Okay. And then he moved back to Ohio and then I kind of took over the space that we were in. And so at that point, that's when I started Platform Fitness. And um, you know, today that's still the name of the LLC, but I don't go by Platform Fitness anymore. Okay. Um, it's kind of, it's taken a lot of different um, shapes over the years. Um, you know, back in 2012, I believe it was, I was in my master's degree um, in sports management and I had to do an internship uh, to graduate. And so my internship was in the life skills department with UNC Charlotte Athletics. And, you know, this is not to throw the department under the bus or anything like that, but I was, I had to, I had to basically sit in front of a computer and, you know, work on an Excel spreadsheet all day long of student athletes coming in and just giving me, you know, just a little paper that says I went to this little thing and it come, it counts as a life skills credit. And basically there was no, there was no like, there were no assignments or no, um, like it wasn't very action oriented. You could basically say as a student athlete, I went to this thing and whoever was putting it on um, gave me a check to say that I was at that thing. But there was nothing to like actually make you participate while you were there. Okay. And that rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I was like, okay. And again, I'm not throwing them under the bus, right. but it, it rubbed me the wrong way because I was like, all right, are they just checking the box? Because, you know, NCAA programs have to have a, um, a life skills program so they can check a box and say that, hey, we're doing this stuff to um, develop our student athletes right. in the right way. And I didn't know all the details behind it all. I didn't know if, you know, you know, there were actually some, some transformation, some progress being made, but my take on it was that there was not. Okay. You know, because, you know, you see it all, all the time around the country, all these, you know, student athletes making poor decisions. And they're, you know, at the end of the day, they're still kids, so there's going to be yeah. some bad decisions. But my question was, are they doing enough? You know, because you can do more. You can always do more because, you know, these student athletes, they're an investment, right? And especially like with the pros, the, these guys are an investment and you need to invest in their well-being. You got to try and make them be the best person that they can be and not just, you know, kind of use them as the athlete, you know what I mean? Because they're the face of wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. I agree. And if you really care about that, then you're really going to pour into into that. And it's not just going to be it's not just going to be having a speaker come in preseason to hype them up and motivate them and then leave. Right. It's gotta be something that's part of the system. Some something that, you know, there's somebody in the program or there's some process, some system there that they can go back to when they're struggling. Cause you're not gonna go to the head coach. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> they got so much on their plate. Mm -hmm. They do. There's just, even the assistant coaches, they're busy as can be too. So, and, and uh, uh, 
guidance counselor can only do so much as well. So I just kind of feel like there needed to be something that was in place to where they're getting built up into being men and women and, you know, husbands and fathers, you know, on a daily basis, something that's there in the system. Um, and I just thought that there was a void. Okay. So that's, uh, that's how platform performance coaching was. That's, that's how it pretty much came to fruition. But there's a whole backstory even before, you know, my experience with the life skills um, department. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I think I agree with you 100%. As a former student athlete, played soccer in college. And what's funny is I think we had, we may have had like one or two courses, one specifically senior year. Um, but that was for everyone. So it wasn't just for athletes. It was for everyone to get acclimated into uh, interviewing for, for jobs, how to tie your tie, how to eat dinner at a, you know, like it was, it was things like that, which that, that's cool. But overall, like there were, like you were saying, there were no courses on, okay, like uh, how can I off the field now become like a better just human? Um, I, I 100% know that was not there. So um, that is definitely a gap and that, that's cool that you saw that. Yeah, and you know, those things, unfortunately they're hard to quantify. You know what I mean? You're not like getting a grade mm -hmm. for you know, your character. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's one of the challenges. But um, I'm gonna take you guys back to uh, my childhood and, and this, is, this is half of the reason why I built this. Okay. So, as a kid, I was always the athlete, right? So, I got two older brothers, um, but in the family, like, I was the athlete. And so, the, the tape that was always repeating for me is Nick's the athlete, Nick's the athlete, Nick's the athlete, right? And so, what happens when Nick can't be the athlete anymore? Right, so I call this the like the athlete identity crisis, <laughs> where that's the only thing you've ever known. It's the only thing that people have ever told you that you're good at, right? And so, in high school, you know, I played football in high school and all conference, all that kind of stuff. Really good, being recruited by quite a few different schools, um, but it was it was. I mean, it was Furman and Kentucky were like the probably the two biggest schools. Well, you know, I was all excited about that, right? For sure. My coaches are telling me, "Yeah, you're being recruited by such and such," and then, and then, and then it, it, I hear crickets, right? Okay. So they got wind of my grades, mm. right? They got wind of my SAT scores, all that kind of stuff. They saw what I did on the field. They're like, "Oh, that's awesome!" You know, I, I created that excitement on the field, but everything else was was not there. You gotta have that whole thing working together. For sure. Um, and so, for me, you know, that athlete identity crisis kind of hit as soon as, you know, high school was over. And, you know, there, there's this acronym that I created a few years ago called uh, DAD, I call it the dad principle. And so when you have student athletes who have that athlete identity crisis and they're always, you know, just feeling like, man, I'm nothing but an athlete, um, that dad principle stands for discover and develop. And so what that means is like your parents or, you know, people in your life 
who are you know responsible for you, whether you have mentors or you know aunts and uncles, whoever it is, they need to take responsibility to discover and develop other gifts in you. You know, if if you feel like, man, I'm nothing but an athlete, somebody's got to step up and, and say, man, who, what else is this kid good at? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I got to protect him from the real world because the real world's going to, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The real world is no joke. And you get out and you, all you've done is be an athlete. You got to have something else that you're good at. Yeah. And so that's what the dad principle is really all about. And so, you know, that's something that, you know, I didn't have, you know, I've got great parents, love my parents to death, but, you know, they were successful in their own right, doing their own thing. And that just never got put into place, you know, discovering what my other gifts and talents were other than athleticism. Okay. Um, so getting back to me leaving high school. So I barely graduated high school with a 2.0, right? I was really good at football, but you know, terrible at school. And uh, so at the end of high school, I was left with um, two options. And it, and it stinks when you only have, you gotta choose from two bad options, right? <laughs> and so, so one of them was go play football at um, North Iowa Area Community College. Right, I don't know how I got on that radar. <laughs> it's a JUCO, yeah. And so the other option, this one sounds really good, was a Southwestern College in Chula Vista, California, just outside of San Diego. That happened because my uncle played there, um, and then he he played there for two years, and then he transferred and he played um, at San Diego State in the late '80s. And um, so I'm like, man, I'm just. I'm going to I'm going to Chula Vista. Yeah, let's go. And so I'm 17 at the time. Me and my best friend, you know, we get in my 1989 hatchback Integra, pack my whole life into it, and uh, drive from. I grew up in Concord. Okay. Drive from Concord to Chula Vista, California, three days, and uh, it was a blast. I mean, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun, and uh, so I get there. You know, he flies back home, and you know, I'm. I'm on the West Coast. I'm this kid that grew up in, you know, North Carolina, you know, this Southern kid out here in, in California, you know, they're making fun of my accent and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was, I had to adjust to it, but, um, you know, my grandparents lived there too. So it's a couple things that happened while I was there. I was only there for a short period of time. It was like three months. And, uh, I had, to, I was living with my grandparents and, uh, that was a, that was, I love him to death. That was a wake up call though, you know, living with my grandparents. And, uh, and then also probably the dumbest thing that I did, I kept my girlfriend that I had in Concord, right? Uh, so I'm on the other side of the country right? and I'm still dating, still dating my girl who, who I had been with for like three years. So I end up, you know, I'm playing, I'm practicing with the team, working out with the team over the summer. I'm taking like two college classes out there. And then the end of the summer comes and it's like the fall is about to start. And I call my parents, I'm like, I'm coming home, mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's probably, you know, in hindsight, you know, I, I, I wish I would have stayed okay. um, and just kind of wrote it out. Um, but, you know, I was homesick and, and uh, you know, missed my girlfriend and I moved home, right? Okay. So I stopped playing football at that point. So this is, this is August of 2001. Okay. 
And um, I start, uh, I go to uh, college at Rowan Cabarrus Community College, right? And I'm there for like two, three years, just taking classes, you know, working. And, uh, but I always wanted, I always wanted to play again. Okay. And I still had some eligibility. So um, one of my friends uh, who was coaching at North Carolina Central University, which you guys know is a HBCU in Durham. He's like, hey man, I know you still want to play. We got a spot for you up here. Come up to uh, come up to North Carolina Central. I'm like, man, whatever. You know, I'll go do it. I wasn't dating this girl anymore. I didn't have anything. I was about to ask. Yeah, <laughs> didn't have anything keeping me in, in in Concord. I'm like, yeah, man, I got to get out of here. And so I go to Durham. Um, actually, two of my buddies were going to Chapel Hill. So I lived with them in Chapel Hill, and then I get up and drive to Durham every morning okay. um, for class, and be there all day with practice and stuff like that. But um, that was the uh, that was the fall of 2004. I was 21, and uh, yeah, so I played there one year, and then uh, unfortunately, like I told you, a lot of failure, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there. I finish out the the fall semester, the fall season. That same girl calls me up and wants me back. Okay. Oh man. And, and what, 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 did, what did I do? Obviously. Dude. What all of us would have oh, probably done. <laughs> right? I moved back to Concord. Oh man. Gosh. So at that point, I quit school. Okay. I wasn't going to school at all anymore for two years, just working like hard, like manual labor jobs. Okay. Two years. And I wanted to be a firefighter at the time. So I'm trying to get, I'm volunteer firefighting. I'm trying to get on with Charlotte Fire Department. You know, I go, I pass the physical test, I pass the written test. Um, and then they, they like put you through the ringer with these interviews, man. And they were like, they were just going in on me. Like, why did you quit school? <laughs> Are you gonna quit the academy? <laughs> right, so two years, two years of that. Um, you know, I went through a couple of rounds of interviews. I never got on. They must have thought I was a quitter or something like that. Hey. So yeah, <laughs> never got on. And so um, me and that girl ended up breaking up. <laughs> That's how it happens. I'm telling you. Um, and then uh, so it's like 2007 at the time. Yeah, like like early 2007, winter 2007, and I was like. Like I said, I was doing hard manual labor jobs, you know. I'm like, man, I can't be doing this anymore. I gotta go back to school, because at that point, I, I didn't have a degree yet. Okay. And so I went back to, um, I got into ECU. And okay. fall of 2007 is when I went to ECU. And uh, I was 20, I was 24 at the time. And uh, I still wanted to play ball. And I thought that I still had eligibility and so I was training, I was in probably the best shape of my life. And uh, I got there, I was at the walk-on tryouts, you know, met the coaches and stuff like that. And then like the very next day after the tryouts, they call me and they're like, you don't have any eligibility left. And I'm like, what do you mean? I only played for two years. Yeah. I played one or, you know, that one counted in California and then that one in, in Durham. And I'm like, I only played for two years. They're like, that's not how it works. The day you become a full-time student is the day your clock starts. 
my, my clock started in August of 2001. This is August of 2007. Wow. You get like five years, I think. Okay, I didn't even know that. Yeah, it has nothing to do with how many seasons you played. Wow. It has to do with when you become a full-time student. Okay. Right? So at that point, you know, the football dream was, was over. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, I, I majored in kinesiology uh, when I was at ECU. And I loved it, just fell in love with it. I actually, um, I was like on the Dean's list. Like I, 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 I had, you know, I went from being a horrible student in high school and, and early college to, you know, really maturing when I was 24 and, and really falling in love with kinesiology and um, just loved it. And, uh, you know, like I said, I went to the internship at North Carolina and then started training all those different places. But, um, you know, getting back around to platform performance coaching, you know, I feel like I'm not the only kid, when I was a kid, I, I was, I'm not the only kid who went through things like that. I'm not the only kid who is extremely talented in a single pursuit that if they aren't the athlete, then they don't know what to do. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to save you years of pain, years of regret, years of frustration. You know what I mean? I had I had a good, you know, decade or so where I was just like, I wouldn't sell, call it a decade, but it was, you know, from 18 to 24 or so, a good six years of, you know, really trying to figure it out when, you know, if I would have had the right systems in place, meaning people around me, mentors around me right to make sure that i was doing the things that i needed to be doing mm -hmm. and not you know chasing girls mm -hmm. you know then things would have turned out a lot differently for you sure know what i mean for sure and it's okay you know i feel like you know god put me in this position to be able to help people that were like me yeah you know it, it just wasn't meant to be that you know i was gonna you know, go play Division One college football. Even though the talent was there, you know, God must have had a different plan that, you know, you're going to go back and you're going to help kids mm -hmm. that might be in that same position. And so that's that's what I'm trying to do today. That's where we are. I love that. So what's what's funny is you, you experienced that, I, I would still say even um, later than some kids because right after high school, some kids are done, right? And then that's when they go through that that mental like okay who am I um, and that and then for for those kids I, I think it may be easier sometimes because they can figure it out while they're in college you know I think when you're when you're still playing in college for me and then playing at the next level it was it was hard once I moved to Charlotte because at that point it was it was over and so it was like okay well what do I do now you know you start working and uh, just going through the motions and so you know obviously depression and all of these things can set in and so you have to be pretty proactive in your your mental health while you're trying to figure it out so yeah 100 percent. And, and i even think i think i heard um or read you know west talking about those same things mm -hmm. you know when he stopped playing soccer depression yeah. you know what i mean what am i going to do now i don't know what to do you know what i mean so if you get ahead of that yeah you know, and you can start working on those things while you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, it just takes me back to that quote, famous quote, everybody knows it. If you fail to plan, 
plan to fail, yeah. right? So a lot of these guys, man, what? I'm just gonna be an athlete forever. No, you're not. No. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So uh, yeah, I, I wish. I think uh, Michael. No, I definitely wish. <laughs> no, so it's kind of the same thing. Um, and I agree with what you were saying. From even the standpoint of like the well, we call them YCMs out in college. I think every school has them. You have to take certain things. And this question, I guess we can get to the part later on as well, but. Uh, the concept is that checking the box. I think a lot of schools do that because they aren't programmed to program us to live life. Like you said before, like it, it's, if it's not about grades, there's not really much into it. Now, you may be blessed to have folks in place to help you out, but it's very rare you have that, right? Uh, and so I love what you took that experience and made something from that, right, to alleviate that, that thing. Now, is that happening across the whole country? No. So you have kids coming out who aren't equipped mentally to live life, know how to do a checkbook, know how, how to live and pay rent, right? Uh, I, we, we didn't have those classes in college. We didn't have like the uh, life lesson classes on how to, how to, how to do a checkbook yeah. uh, or how to do a budget sheet. I, I learned that outside of college, yeah. right? Uh, I was learning about mythology and stuff, things I couldn't even <laughs> use in real life. But no, nah, I think as an athlete, so I, mean, I, I played football from the time I was four years old to I was 22 years old, right? My whole life was football. So when it ended, it legit, it, it, you have no idea. I, I was blessed. I, I grew up, I, I knew I, I had other options, but like that piece of who you are dies, right? I didn't watch football for two years. Like, I couldn't watch the draft. It made me sick. I couldn't watch, because I had friends who played in the NFL who I played with, and I, I, I had this envy and just anger within me because I wasn't, like, my life was done at that point in time, right? So if you aren't wired correctly, it can affect you very negatively uh, for a very long time. Sure. So it's very, like you said before, to have folks around you, a system of people around you who can guide you in the right directions, right? But it's cool that you can use your story to affect and help other folks avoid those same mistakes, right? Um, what, what, what's the old saying? It says uh, history or his story. History is his story. Well, how does it go? It's something like that. I have seen that before. Right? Yeah. So basically, you are creating, like your history is your story. There's not, yes, that's, that's, that's the, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay away from it. <laughs> Making music over here. Well, that's dope, man. That's, 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 I, the whole backstory was cool, so thank you for that as well. Just give content behind why you're doing what you're doing. It makes sense now completely. For sure. sure. So who who is your business targeting now? Like, where's your... I mean, honestly, I feel like this is something that all student athletes can benefit from. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, benefit from. You know, I don't think it's just... It's not just, I went to public school, so it's, it's not just public school kids, right. because I feel like even like private school kids, you know, their parents, I'm just, you know, generaliz generalizing here, their parents might have more money or whatever, mm -hmm. but that might mean that they're working a lot more, so they're not around. For sure. And so they're not excluded from, you know, not getting these skills. Right. They right. need these skills just as much as the public school kids. Yeah. Right. So is it high school and college or just high school right now? You know, honestly, the I would say the target would be high school. Okay. You know what I mean? So you can get this into your system right before before you get to that level of college. Mm -hmm. But there's also there's there's kids in college that need this before they stop playing sure. after yeah. college. Mm -hmm. For sure. So I would say it's high school and college. Yeah. 
Um, I would say it's probably going to be easier to get my foot in the door with high school. With high school. You know what I mean? Because unless it's like a small college or something like that. But if I was, you know, to say that I was going to go to Chapel Hill and just walk up in there and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing, you know, that reception is probably not going to go very well. Kind of very but, sure. you know, obviously, you know, I've got to prove myself. Um, on a smaller level first, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that is that's the dream. I mean, honestly, I, I've been a Notre Dame fan my whole life. Uh, my family's my family's from Chicago, and uh, you know, I just been a Notre Dame fan my whole life. So my dream would be, uh, you know, walking on on Notre Dame's campus and, and knowing that I'm helping those kids. There we go. Yeah, this guy Notre Dame fan. Oh yeah, big time, big time. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, Obviously, I'm, I'm listening to you and listening to, you know, your story, and I'm thinking back to high school for me. So, obviously, I played travel soccer or club soccer, you know, since I could remember, played all-stars, probably anything involving soccer. If there was a tryout, I was there in my town and, um, you know, was starting to make a name for myself. But that jump from club ball to high school, I I struggled hard. Like freshman year was like I'm I probably sat the bench ninety eight percent of the time, and for me it was a a maturity thing. Like I didn't know how to handle the the pressure. Like I I never was told or or taught that there's a little bit of, of a different type of pressure when you're when you're at school and opposed to when you're just playing club ball. Because to me that was fun. But then now taking the step to high school, I was like, you, if you would have seen me play soccer, bro, you would have been like, this dude has never played in fitness. <laughs> <laughs> like, could, like the, my touch was off, like couldn't communicate. I was like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe this is it for me. And um, obviously how I was raised and, and I knew deep down it wasn't, but it was something that, that, um, really shaped my career because I never I never forgot that and so that I think was pivotal in my work ethic after afterwards but I do believe if we had mental like coaches in in schools like you were saying in high school and in college who are there to kind of guide you through the the mental anguish of being an athlete because you don't you don't know how you're gonna react when you hit that next step. I never thought in a million years that I would be like, oh, okay, next next step is freshman year. Okay, now you're on JV and you suck. Like, and there's there's no other way to put it. I was, my parents were like, I don't know what is going on with him. Like, I'm sure they were embarrassed for me because it was, it, it was sad to be honest. But um, I, I, do, I do believe that is a huge need. Um, have you seen this anywhere else? Like, obviously you have this business, but have you seen this any other people? I've seen similar things, um, but they're more geared towards leadership. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and to me, like, I know that word is important. I mean, you got it right there in your logo. For leadership sure. is obviously important. Um, but you know, I'm just trying to take a different angle. For me, it's more, it's more leadership of self. You know what I mean? Okay. It's more personal growth okay. than it is this giant word called leadership. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, that's that's just 
that's the different angles that I've seen is, you know, someone like John Gordon, who has written a ton of books and he's always going to like different colleges and speaking and stuff like that. Um, he's amazing, but again, he's, he's going to go and he's going to speak before the season and get him hyped up. Right. No. Then he leaves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like somebody can, you know, send him an email yeah. say I'm struggling with this yeah. yeah you know what I mean I spoke about that recently I think um, becoming your own your own coach um, obviously that there's a lot that goes into that it's not as easy um, you can't just say it um, but becoming your own coach because when you have that coach that comes in and motivates you and your team uh, you're, you're definitely gonna be motivated while he's there but as soon as he leaves the motivation goes with him and so you have to learn how to hype yourself up um, because in your darkest days, when it's just you, and yeah. you're gonna just sit there, or you're gonna get it going. Yeah, and that's uh, that's part of, um, I don't know if you saw on uh, on the Instagram page or or anything that I posted so far, but you know that's the 4M approach that I talk about. Um, and the first one is mentorship. That's the most important one is mentorship. The second one is mindset. You know, you got to have the mindset to be able to you know, take on these different things like you did when you were making that jump. Um, mindset is in incredibly important. And the next thing is motivation. And motivation is another one of these terms, kind of like leadership that you hear so much. But I don't remember the exact quote. I think it was Zig Ziglar. He said something like, something like motivation. You need motivation every day, just like you need to shower every day because motivation wears off yeah, just like sweet. you taking your shower you know mm -hmm. wears off so you need to get motivation every day motivation is incredibly important mm -hmm. you know it's not just the rah 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 it's you know figuring out what your why is and, and your purpose and you know all those kind of things that drive you um and then the last thing is movement you know because the 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 positive benefits that exercise has on your brain and your energy and your mood and all those different kinds of things if you combine you know having a mentor and you have the right mindset and you get getting motivation every day and then you're moving you know working out every day if you combine those four m's that just creates like a powerful platform for you to stand on and become your best self i love that okay. yeah I mean, so so and to two things as well so what you were saying earlier as far as um molding the kids and developing kids at a young age, I would say that can apply to anybody, not just athletes, mm -hmm. for sure. Right? Um, and I think the biggest piece of it, if you look at it, is when it comes down to it, I believe it's, it's heavily a lack of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so, because as a young kid, obviously, you have no capacity to handle your emotions. And obviously, emotions are very schizophrenic from that standpoint. And so, you, you want to play ball still, you went to California, you did what you love and do, and your girl said, come back, so you left, right? Although you wanted to stay, Right, so if you had a, a, a stronger emotional resiliency to, to handle what was you being attacked with, you probably made a better decision, I'd imagine, in that case. And so, like uh, you mentioned before, a lot of kids were talented. A buddy of mine played football with in high school, Anthony Short, we called him PlayStation. Right, kid was absolutely insane. I went to Butler High School, legit. This dude was insane. Like He did this thing you saw in the video game. And, and he had school looking at him, but the, the attitude sucked. He had no emotional intelligence whatsoever. He handled everything very poorly. So school's pulled away, right? Now he's cutting hair and playing black football somewhere around here. Uh, he should be in the league right now. And I, 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 I play with plenty of guys just like that who had the talent, but didn't have people around them to build 
this right here, like you said, the, the, the mental piece of it. And I think it's a lot of kids who aren't athletes, it's the same thing, right? And if you can touch a kid when they're 14, 15, 13 years old, begin to develop that piece of their life, we have a whole lot <laughs> better generation coming behind us. For sure. If that was the case, but that, that piece is missing. It is missing. General. It is missing. And and I'm, I'm glad you said something about it not just being for athletes. Now, platform performance coaching mm -hmm. is all about student athletes. Yeah. But me and my business partner got something coming very soon, um, launching in the next few weeks, that's for kids that aren't student athletes. Mm -hmm. So maybe we, can, maybe we can come on. We can talk about that whenever, whenever that drops. Also, though, too, on the motivation piece we're talking about, right? That word, I think sometimes it, it, you, you can use it like anything else in a variety of ways, but I think motivation, again, like you said, is very fleeting. Like you constantly need to be motivated to do something. Now you got you to sit back and, and figure something else out because you can get hyped up by Inky Johnson today and then come Wednesday, that's gone. Now, obviously, it's good to have something in front of you every day. I, I get quotes in my phone every day. Uh, I know you listen to podcasts every day, so constantly fueling yourself, but you got, like you said, lead yourself to have that internal drive to not need an exterior factor to get you going. Yeah. Right? And again, that takes development. Yep. Intrinsic motivation mm -hmm. all day long. I mean, the, the external is good, but that's the, that's the piece that's fleeting. Mm -hmm. You got to have that internal fire coming from somewhere. And, um, you know, mine right now um, is just... A, my past, you know, the things that I went through, but also um, there's this really good quote that, that has stuck with me for a long time, and it says, your greatest pain will become your greatest ministry. And so that's, that's what's pushing me forward with platform and all the things that I'm trying to do is the pain that I went through um, in my 20s and, you know, all those bad decisions that I made and just using that pain to let that be, you know, my, you know, kind of my, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, the the wide receiver, Brandon Marshall. You guys remember him? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He had BPD. Yes. If you guys don't know, that's bipolar disorder. Okay. Right? So Brandon Marshall said, you got to use your platform to fulfill your purpose. And so he was basically saying he was using his platform as an NFL wide receiver receiver to fulfill his purpose in spreading awareness about BPD. Yeah. And so basically what I'm trying to do now is use my platform to spread awareness about, you know, this this piece that's lacking in the development of our young student athletes. So so he, he has a huge like uh, foundation now about that. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. But also they have a podcast too, him and a few other guys. Um, I think it's him and um, three different NFL players that is, is very impactful. So I think it's like I'm an athlete or, or a, something, something athlete. Well, yeah, I mean, LeBron has, uh, yeah, I don't know uh, if it's his, but it's, but it's, uh, it's more than an athlete. More than an athlete. More than an athlete. So maybe that's. Maybe so that's like, with them, though, they, they tackle like deep, like, like mental stuff as well that's not like sexy to talk about. Yeah. But they hit on it and they got mainly folks listening to it. Probably not otherwise listen to us. Your platform, you say, platform is very huge to utilize for, for sure. sure. For sure. Before we wrap, uh, Michael pointed out some a post that you, I think, recently. Posted. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I don't know how recent it was, but it, you reposted something that uh, I think it was Tim Tebow. Okay. He, he asked a question. He said, uh, "Would you rather be liked or respected?" 
right? And yeah. he, he went through this whole piece about you know, people, so the social media era, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what, what, what's your mindset behind that, about whether wanting to be liked or being respected? That's a trigger for me because, you know, growing up, like disrespect was not allowed in my house, right? So anytime I see the word respect or somebody talking about respect, you know, I light up. And so if you, if you are constantly trying to get likes, just like Tim Tebow was saying, I mean, that's another, that's a thing like, like motivation is going to be fleeting, right? You know, you're constantly, if you're getting liked by all these other people, right? But you don't like yourself. Mm -hmm. That's where you're running into an issue, right? You got to have self-respect. Don't just do things that aren't true to your core, that they're not part of your core values, you know, and, and you're just getting these likes, but you don't like yourself and you don't have self-respect for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where you get into an issue. And so that's why, that's why that really um, stood out to me because I've never been somebody to um, do stuff to get likes. You know what I mean? I'm going to, I'm going to speak my truth and I might, I might piss some people off sometimes, but you know what I mean? As long as I'm speaking my truth, you know, somebody else, somebody out there is going to, somebody else is going to like that piece other than liking the the piece that doesn't strike a nerve mm-hmm. you know what i mean like tim tebow is a great example right because tim tebow speaks his faith all the time mm-hmm. tim tebow could have dropped his faith a long time ago and maybe he would have got more people to like him but a lot of people don't like him you know because he speaks so much about mm-hmm. his faith same thing like cam newton right everybody's got their own opinion about cam newton but if Cam if Cam didn't do Cam, then Cam wouldn't have self respect for Cam. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So that's true. I like that. You know what that's I mean. True. Yeah, that's dope. So uh, one thing you said just now, you said you're constantly trying to pursue to get those likes. It's like chasing like an empty, bottomless pit. Mm-hmm. It's always empty, right? Uh, and it's it's, it's it's kind of funny to watch or see sometimes. But I mean, you're constantly trying to do the next big thing, get the next big like, uh, but going outside of yourself. And you can that question can be answered in a variety of ways in terms of respected or being liked. For sure. Um, and like with if you if I ask you guys that question, the same thing, all right, what you would say. Uh, because you can be liked and respected at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. That's the goal. Uh, that's the goal, right? Yeah. But like if you had answer the question, what would you say? Yeah, but I think what you're speaking to is like completely different. It's like and what was popping out while you were talking is um, I think it can apply to anything and you see a lot in relationships with people mm-hmm. and we spoke about before if you're not 100% with yourself there's obviously going to be some type of gap or void within you or your character or anything like that so people automatically think if they can get satisfaction from a social media post or satisfaction from a best friend mm-hmm. with kind words even though they may not be true um, it'll fill that void for five minutes or maybe five hours uh, but it'll be gone tomorrow. Yeah, so sure. it's huge to be self-aware to know, hey, there's something off that I need to fix before I can go out and get other people to respect me. Mm-hmm. I have to respect myself and fix that first mm-hmm. instead of just trying to throw it out there on IG and get all these likes and you're cool and you think you're like filling it for you and then it's gone the next day and you're like, what the heck happened? And you try to like do something else and you're just chasing something and it just has to grow bigger and bigger and bigger and it's never gonna fill you up. Well, and that's the same thing, you know, I'm just staying on the topic of, of student athletes or athletes in general, like, there's a lot of people who are athletes because somebody else wants them to be an athlete, mm-hmm. and they don't even want to be an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? True. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the thing it's is, really sad to stay there. It's like big schools are businesses. Yes. Yeah. At the end of the day, like yeah, they might be a checkbox mentality because if they win a game, there might be a money incentive, or it's going to give them recognition that brings more students to the school. Yeah. It's, it's a never-ending game on that side, off the field as well. Um, so their mindset really isn't, and I think this is what you identified, and now you're trying to bridge that gap is they're not worried necessarily about and not as people, but as a whole, they're not worried um, about the individual after school and maybe the identity crisis that they'll have trying to throw themselves out because they were never helped. It's uh, how can we get them to perform on the field? We'll take care of like the back of the house stuff just so they can perform for UNC Charlotte or whatever big school it is um, so they can do better for themselves. Like Vanguard and suck as much as I can out of you. Yeah. To benefit my school and then our pockets. Well, and, and the thing is like, I love, I love college football so much. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I don't even like NFL as much as I, I love college. And um, it just, it makes me sad that it's that way. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many books um, written about it. There's one called, uh, I believe it's called The Program. Not the movie, The Program. I think I think the book is called The Program. The movie though. Yeah, the movie was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's just sad that it's that way. It makes me sad that, you know, the student athletes get treated that way. Um, and I just, I feel deep, deep in my, in my heart that it can be fixed. You know what I mean? The money is there. It's not the money. You know it can be fixed. Um, it's just somebody's got to take a chance and, and try and fix it. Um, and you know, one more thing about, about respect, and this is just an example, and this is somebody that I, I respect tremendously. I can't remember, uh, remember the, the, the Roll brothers that went to Florida State? Yes. It wasn't Samari, it was the other no, one was, that uh, became a doctor. Yeah, he, had a, he went to, uh, went to uh, Oxford. Yes. And he got his PhD. Uh, uh, and he still played in the league as well for a little bit. He did for the Titans. I don't, his last name is Roll. I don't remember his first name, but anyway, so he had, he had the opportunity to um, continue to play in the league. I think he only played like one or two years, but then he got the opportunity to go to like, he became like a Rhodes Scholar or something yeah, like that. Scholar, like, yeah. Went to Oxford and then, um, but he's a doctor now. He's like a surgeon or something mm -hmm. like that. So I'm sure everybody was like, no, stay in the league, stay in the league, make millions and stay in the league. But if he would have did that, then he wouldn't have had the same self-respect mm -hmm. because he wanted to become a doctor. Yeah. And so he left and he became a doctor. So like anytime I see like a story about him, I light up because that's I have like so much respect for him for doing that. And then also, I mean, what's his name? Uh, Pat Tillman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the utmost respect for that guy for doing that. So you got to make decisions that... Uh, that are true to you and, and, and so you can respect yourself because like it's, it's it's that's like probably like the greatest thing that you can have is yeah. self-respect you know what I mean if you yeah. don't have that you know you're walking around like slumped over and just don't like yourself because you know you had these opportunities to do the things that you knew were right but you did something else because you know because you thought it was what everybody else wanted you to do yeah nah yeah, no one else no one else can can give that to you and when we look in the mirror it's just you it's just you so um, and I think even with ourselves respect is is earned not given so mm -hmm. I have to earn my my own respect sometimes and and sometimes that makes 
that means uh, making decisions that I don't want to make at that at that time. To be honest, sometimes I want to have fun, and I want to make the decision that will satisfy me in that two minutes or you know five seconds or whatever it is. But um, when I'm thinking legacy, you know that that's typically determines my decision. So, man, this was a good conversation. This was good. Very good. Nick, we're we're man blessing we appreciate you coming on yeah of course i had a lot of fun and hey i got uh, i got a gift for uh for all the listeners and you guys if you go to uh, implatform.com okay. and if you uh go look for my book you'll see it on the home page it's called the way to win mm-hmm. if you go to that checkout page and type in the coupon code my free book you get the book for free it's a, a ebook there we go. I'm definitely doing that tonight. Hey, yes. And then what is your, what is your, is that your IG as well? That's the IG as well. Yeah. Okay. I am, I am platform. I am platform. And, so, uh, and coach, coach Nick underscore P. Awesome. Awesome. Y'all go follow, uh, coach Nick Platt. We appreciate him for being here. Um, as always, thank y'all for listening. Uh, please let us know what you liked about this pod. Uh, Please let us know what we can work on. And as always, love y'all. Peace.